On this episode, we discuss CBGB. That's not, a, it's just a bunch of letters. What does that mean? Uh, it stands for cow butt guy butt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested. <laughs> Everyone and welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, Dan McCoy. I am Stuart Wellington. Hey, fans in podcast land and Dan and Stuart. I'm Elliot Kalin. All here, back again. President accounted for. President accounted for. <laughs> That's right. Before we start recording, we checked where the president was. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dan, turn on the mics. Let's do this. Thing. No, no, you don't understand how this <laughs> Get, works. Press the record button. No, it's already. Yep. We've got. Get those tapes spinning around. We're done courting. No now let's record. <laughs> And we're not living in the seventies, Dan. How come you don't it's have not a, a real to real? A couple of big audio cans on your head, and no. you're, you're not like bopping to the music, going like, "Yeah, good stuff, good stuff." Let me press some of these slider buttons up. Uh-huh. <laughs> they do something. Yep. <laughs> it's I, better, we need a little more slider. of this and a little lettuce of this other thing. Yeah. And this thing is at the right level. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you could be the best audio producer in the world. <laughs> Meatloaf, get out of the booth. <laughs> What? Because <laughs> Meatloaf wants to hear us record our podcast. Oh, I see. You know, rock and roll star? Yeah, yeah. Meatloaf, get out of the booth and into my tummy. <laughs> you eat a human being? <laughs> yes. When he says delicious. I like Hannibal. Ah, like Hannibal, the hit NBC show that's not really a hit, but I like it a lot. Uh, Danable. Um, <laughs> Danable the cannibal. <laughs> we should have known when we named him Danable. A, a name that does not exist. <laughs> what about uh, that guy who crossed the Alps? Wasn't his name Danable? Oh boy, Stuart. <laughs> we got to start at the beginning. Oh boy, you in and the your beginning. Roman I mean, if I wrote that down, I'd probably get a B minus on my history paper, right? <laughs> Only because it's close. So all the other high school, maybe. <laughs> I went back in time and got Danable to talk about his experiences. Uh, hello, I'm, I don't know why I'm here. Uh, I'm the one guy in history who was named Danable. What's up? I was a shoemaker. Danable Schultz. Shoemaker extraordinaire. Um, so this is primarily a bad movie podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Yeah, and we review it. Yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a review Except for the purposes of uh, the website where I use copyrighted poster material under the auspices of us being a review That's show. That's for review purposes. Yeah, in much the way that Mr. Skin is a review site <laughs> that reviews movies. I mean, it reviews them under a very narrow set mm-hmm. of uh, critical parameters. Yeah, there's one criterion that Mr. Skin is interested in. No movie oh. that's in or listed in Mr. Skin's website has to be angry that they're using their posters, though, right? Because I, I think mean, it's more that they're people. using the any footage from the movie. Oh, publicity. you can see the footage on there, right? Do you have to get a membership or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're called skinheads. The members <laughs> of Mr. Skin. <laughs> oh yeah. boy, I think you're mixing them up with someone else. So <laughs> tonight we watched a movie called CBGB about the now uh, now gone. Uh, New York punk club of the same name. Now it's remembered only through the name of a Daniel Balud restaurant. Um, DBGB. Okay. So, Dan, this is this actually a movie? What did we watch? Is the, I don't believe it's a movie. <laughs> uh, well, 
it seems to have been someone's middle school report on CBGB <laughs> that a film say, school sophomore directed and And shot. then somebody drew all over with a bunch of yeah. with a bunch of pan- comic book panels. Let me just say this. Middle school teacher who assigns a report on CBGB, coolest middle school teacher. What's weird is that it's faith and religion class at a Catholic school. Why would he assign a CBGB report? Dan, explain. Uh, Religion's all about questions, Elliot. <laughs> and like who, the one you just asked. <laughs> who questioned more than the original punk, Jesus? Oh, wow, he <laughs> sounds pretty cool. Hey, you know what's radical, kids? <laughs> Questioning the pre-existing theological structure. That, I mean, that is radical. I mean, it's a different version of radical. Hey, who was the original skateboarder? Jesus Christ. I don't think that's if by I mean, skate, walked on the water. You mean crucifix, <laughs> and by border you mean being nailed to her. Who's the world's most famous dead boy? <laughs> <laughs> Except right. that he rose from it to become a god boy. Who's the world's which most... sounds like dog boy? Any Charles Burns fans in the class? <laughs> this is a hip teacher. <laughs> Who's the world's most awesome fighting teens? <laughs> <laughs> if anyone? You, if you guessed anyone? Teenage Mutant Ninja Jesus, you'd be correct. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> There's, prob- um, there's probably a movie. I called thought they were the most already. fearsome fighting. Yeah, team. I don't fucking know. Uh, so by the CBG- way, yeah. if the podcast listener can hear the sound of a truck backing up in the background, and apparently this truck has been backing up <laughs> for the last fifteen minutes, <laughs> it's got a long way to go. <laughs> then just uh, think of that as uh, authentic New York grit of the kind you won't find well, in the movie CBGB. The yeah. So let's talk. So CBGB. Let's dispense with the plot summary because here's the plot. In the I think we show. should go right into the plot summary. This guy. No, let's not. So. There is no plot. So the movie, movie opens with uh, the future Legs McNeil and his pal John Holmstrom talking about how they want to do a magazine about today's young, angry youth. And uh, they come up with the name Punk in one of those stupid movie moments where someone uses a word and they both go, oh, that's great, or whatever. It's like we're falling into the abyss. <laughs> Wait, and James Harris Cameron, sla- James and Harris slaps his head. He's like, James Cameron, I named the movie. I finally got a name Cameron, for your movie genius. that we're going to make in seven years. Or how it lowered like 12 years. When did the abyss come out? Anyway, uh, then we cut to the past when a baby sneaks out of a crib and runs into a field. That baby is the future. The baby is abducted by aliens and it becomes the Star Lord. If only. <laughs> uh, that baby grows up to be Hilly Crystal, the founder of CBGB. Billy who, Crystal? No, and it's not helped by Alan Rickman's... William Crystal? Super... No, it's not helped by Alan Rickman's super mumbly accent, so that every time he says Hilly Crystal, it sounds like he says Billy Crystal. Yeah, he says, hello, I'm Hilly Crystal. But as... Uh, <laughs> that's, that's Alan Rickman, As guys. the judge in... Okay, as, I'll, I guess I'll allow Hilly Crystal. Alan <laughs> this is how I'm going to deliver all my lines. I think that you've got something Deeper, there. you can do deeper. Deeper, Elliot, right? This is There's something about the punk music that even though I don't like it, I'll put it in my club. <laughs> You're slowly turning into a Bond villain. Well, How has he Mr. not Bond. been a Bond villain yet? Alan he, Rickman? Yeah, it would be well, great. I mean, he was, I, everyone would say it's too much like Die Hard. Too much like Die Hard. Well, he doesn't have to be Yeah, I feel German. like he probably got it offered to him and he was just like, don't you think this is a bit obvious casting? I'm trying to avoid the You even named him Franz Gruber. <laughs> <laughs> you named him Franz Boober. This is <laughs> you, you named him Franz Snape. <laughs> Seems strange. <laughs> I haven't even played that part yet. <laughs> the book hasn't been written. 
Um, yeah, so he's so he he's the and, most. And let's just get this. He's one the most straight. English Jewish New York guy there's ever been. And he let's he is if you couldn't sleepwalk through this role more if his eyes were literally closed through the whole movie. Let's go on things straight. I like Alan Rickman a lot. He's yep. good Who in a lot of not? things. He's no great one. in a lot of things. Not in this one. Uh, and so he is, as Stewart described it, he appears in Exposition Court, where the judge explains that Hilly Crystal has twice gone bankrupt and is divorced with children, uh, the sequel to Married with Children, <laughs> when Al and Peggy just decided it wasn't working out anymore. But they were both in their 60s by that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how— They go in the, cor- the divorce court, and there's a toilet that flushes off screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And every time, every time their now uh, middle-aged daughter, Christina Applegate, walks in, the, ju- the judge goes, ooh. Yeah. Bud Bundy has long since died. <laughs> Crushed yeah. under a, I don't know, an overweight like Spuds a, McKenzie like lookalike. <laughs> just like a big rock he was judging. He was judging the Spuds McKenzie lookalike contest at the world's fattest dog <laughs> convention. <laughs> and was killed tragically when the stage collapsed. <laughs> he was like, hmm, this, this dog looks like it could party hardy. This dog doesn't look like it parties hardy enough. And now this dog, oh no! Uh, <laughs> All the dogs are so fat that the buttons on their Hawaiian shirts yeah. are just straining to stay close. I mean, the thing is, all the dogs went to heaven, but Bud went to hell. Oh, yeah. All Bundys go to hell. Ted, Bud, all of them. Anyway, so... Uh, King Kong. Yeah, well, King Kong Bundy went to hell, too. Wait, is he still alive? Uh... Is he different than the giant ape character from those movies? They're brothers. Okay. That w- they, uh, but one's a cop and the other's a criminal. <laughs> Will they ever get along? It's called, probably not. It's yeah, probably not. The King of Kong. <laughs> so, uh, Hilly has a dream of owning a music club. He wants to open a bluegrass music club, and once and he finds he wanders through a piss poor budget simulacrum of seventies rundown New York, which is represented by the same graffitoed storefronts and alleyways over and over again. And in one scene, he sees. A rat. Now, New York at this point is at the height of its economic resurgence. Yeah. It's to such a point that, uh, like someone like me, who's a high-paid television writer, can't afford to buy property in Manhattan, can't sure. afford to buy an apartment, really. And there are rats all over the place. So the idea that yeah, a you rat into work sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you're lucky, you lasso them, ride them like a sandworm. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> then you're one of the makers. But. Uh, <laughs> You see, the spice comes from the rats. That's the secret. Oh, you got to milk them. Yeah, you milk them. They're spice teats. <laughs> uh, but so the idea. Tom that- Brokaw was telling me about it. <laughs> <laughs> what? what did that sound like? Uh, so I was reading Dune the other day. The Shia Ludes are like rats. I had our vision of a uh, massive jihad sweeping the universe, please, killing billions. Please stop telling me about Shout, Dune. Shouting the name I'm Tom so Brokaw. very bored by you recapping the plot of Dune over and over Michael, again. Michael, I, I, I thank you for agreeing to this second liaison. <laughs> if I wanted to read Dune, I could just read Dune, or I could watch the David Lynch film. I know no, it's I not wouldn't the same do that. Thing. It's not a great representation I'm a busy of, man. of the story. <laughs> If anything, watch Yodorovsky's Dune, which again is not accurate, but more interesting. I get, it's something about spice. I don't care. 
Now, but it's interesting. You see, I am turning into Jimmy Stewart over time. <laughs> Will you two keep it down up there? I'm the ghost of Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> that was I'm a... trying to finish reading Chapter House Dune. <laughs> that, was... that sounded more like Don Knotts than Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> that was a little. That was a little playlet we like to call an unlikely conversation between Tom Brokaw, Michael Caine, and Jimmy Stewart about Dune. <laughs> Thank you. Jack Nicholson's here. Oh, no. Who wants to talk about Dune Messiah? (laughs) Now, you see here, Jack, I can't remember if that's before or after the one that I'm reading. Well, hello, everyone. It's me, Ronald Reagan. (laughs) I hear you talking about (laughs) Dune. You're talking about Dune. Talk about an evil empire. <laughs> I, I saw like I, I saw Stuart make a face like he was about to jump in with another <laughs> hack impression, but he couldn't think of one in time. The thing is, I could do a good impression, but you know, it, w- it wouldn't be the same. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Your impressions are too brilliant. <laughs> They're too good. Exactly. They're too good. Like we don't know what would it sound like if Clive <laughs> Owen jumped in talking about Dune. Hello, hello. I love Dune. The book. It's me. <laughs> He knows really, himself, of course. Yeah, really, the Peter Sellers of the Flophouse. <laughs> Just amazing. It's me, Paul Giamatti. I, I was walking by and I heard you talking about Dune. They're going to feel it all the way in New York, San Andreas. <laughs> in theaters now. <laughs> Very angry about it for some reason. Marty! <laughs> you kids, they're going to read Dune. It's Christopher oh, Lloyd. God damn, you are the worst <laughs> impressions anyone has ever done. No, uh, you know what? They're not the worst impressions because we just watched CBGB, <laughs> a movie full of the shittiest impressions of famous punk rockers that there ever was. Yeah. How? Hey, here are some words you never hear to describe. You never heard used to describe punk rock musicians at CBGBs. Well fed, tan, healthy looking. Fit, except maybe Iggy Pop. He, for a heroin addict, he was in pretty good shape most of the time. I think Iggy Pop was the most convincing one because he was convincingly, like, weirdly, like, muscular, emaciated. Except the guy, all of them look like, it looks like, a, it does look like a high school play about CBGB where they just got kids with the same hair color, you know. Yeah, as the, and as everybody the who plays a famous person walks out and then says their name. <laughs> yeah. Not unlike a certain Clive Owen impression. What do you think was worst? Was it uh, Malin Ackerman as... As Debbie Harry, like I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I thought the, the the guys doing the Ramones were pretty lame too. Yeah, I feel like the guy playing David Byrne did the best impression because he barely talked and he just stood there sure. dressed in the same clothes that David Byrne used yeah, to wear. Yeah, he looks convinced, convincingly somewhere on the autistic spectrum. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is also they don't have the actors sing cover versions. So here, so he'll, let's get to that point. Hilly yeah. Crystal decides to open up a club. He does he, it with his English, be, uh, his Cockney English pal, <laughs> Donald Logue. Donald Logue. It's going to be a and country his, bluegrass blues club, which is why it's called CBGB's. It's, uh, it's, you know, we all know the, it was gonna tale, be, the well-worn tale of It was going to be a cow-butt, guy-butt bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, but the uh, and his so but with face his, took another turn with his friend the maybe English accented Donald Logue and his daughter who keeps arguing with him about the bills. It's really great to see Donald Logue and Is his daughter Ashley Green of Twilight fame. I think she. Oh, uh, let's IMDb it, it. Okay, use everybody, your, use your pocket computer. We're going to be quiet while Dan does this. No, no, no. Look, you're the navigator of your <laughs> pocket calculator. So, but it is really great to watch oh, Alan Rickman and the operator of your pocket and computer. Donald Logue <laughs> do these competing uh, yeah, impressions or like accents, where 
that gets to a point where neither of them seems to know what accent they're supposed no, to be yeah, doing. Yeah, Donald Logue is Englishing up while Alan Rickman tries to English down, and they reach the middle of this, like, kind of shitty Patrick McGowan is what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, well, like a poorly like enunciated Patrick McGowan continental accent. Yeah, well, listen, like, it's not even like the transcon, yeah, mid-Atlantic accent. It's just sort of like, it just sounds like, it sounds like uh, Kevin Costner or something in <laughs> Prince of Thieves. Especially because they keep talking about baseball <laughs> and how they're going to build a baseball field in a cornfield. Was that what happened in Prince of Thieves? <laughs> yeah. I misunderstood that movie. It's called Robin Hood, Prince of Field of Dreams Thieves. Another Alan Rickman movie where uh-huh. he was also miscast. <laughs> Although he probably was the best thing about that movie. Yeah, definitely. Like, he was acting in a different movie than everyone no, else. No, Christian Slater was. <laughs> but he was enjoyable in the movie he was acting yeah. in. Yeah, so he wants He thought to... he was in a Rocky Horror Picture Show version <laughs> of the Robin Hood so, story. Uh, he wants he said to... this super serious, uh, like, yeah. hard-hitting Robin Hood story that we're given. He's <laughs> a... He wants, to, he wants to open a music club. He has a dog that poops everywhere. He's a totally unlikable, lazy, grumpy guy who mumbles and isn't friendly to anybody and was kind of semi-friendly to people. He's just really like, he has no charisma whatsoever. He's like a walking sponge. And, and he's opera- he operates with like the least amount of direction or inf- like you have no idea why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah. It, he has no motivation to do anything. Even He never even says like, I like music. He's just kind of like, it, you, I guess you're just supposed to assume that. And the whole movie is predicated on the idea that you as the viewer love CBGB. The band, you know, love CBGBs. I keep on CBGB, but I always thought of it as CBGBs. Love CBGBs and love punk music. So, like, you're going to watch this like the Stations of the Cross and be super excited when, like, a bunch of people dressed up to look like the Dead Boys show up or, like, when a guy dressed up to look like Lou Reed shows up. And you're going to be so excited to see these famous punk moments acted out in these yeah. famous stories about the crazy Hilly Crystal. And so the movie acted just... Acted out on a stage that's plastered with, like, stickers and posters, but none of it has, like, a lick of dust or dirt on it. And so the movie... But it's yeah. also interesting that you say, like, Stations of the Cross, because it it feels like a Christmas pageant. It feels like, all right, well, this is a film familiar story, and we're going to get some kids to come in and act it out. Or like a passion play, like that yeah. it's more important to hit the beats than any sense of drama or character or... Like, it feels more like a crappy ritual. And so it's – the movie doesn't have structure so much as it has uh, this recurring series of scenes where people complain to Hilly that they're not making money on the bar. The bar's losing money. A band comes in and plays for a while. The actors lip sync to the album version of these famous songs. Oh, my God. It's so good, The lip syncing is so bad. And so they'll be like – Hey, yeah, we're just starting out. We're uh, this is the, our the, first ever performance live. And Let's sounds, play this band's biggest hit. Biggest mm-hmm. hit, super polished. And at the end, even if it's like anachronistic, like they've got Patti Smith singing "Because of the Night," when that's like a much later song from her. The, than, the last scene of the movie is this new band comes in, and it's clearly the police because they look kind of like the police, and they start playing, and they're just lip syncing to the album version of Roxanne, and it's like, well, well, this guy either does an amazing Sting impression and an amazing Sting in a studio impression, like it's yeah. And as you uh, point out, like Alan Rickman's like. It might have something might have, Which maybe was the thing he used to say a lot. I don't know. But, like, it feels yeah, like you're yeah, watching... Yeah, of course they do. This is a really polished fucking song. <laughs> it, <laughs> they, they sound, it feels like, at a lot of the time, like you're watching a movie version of the Jimmy Fallon game where celebrities lip-sync to songs in mm-hmm. competition. But in celebrities, you have 
Uh, Insta celebrities. I mean, I, just are, people I, who. Yeah. I mean, it's like you got Rupert Grint from uh, Hogwarts. It's like a fan. Yeah. It's like some. <laughs> that's what, that's what we know him from Hogwarts. <laughs> some thirteen-year-old kid. You got the guy from The Hangover that's not on the poster. Yeah, Justin Bartha. <laughs> some thirteen-year-old kid Justin in Scarsdale. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I think of that every time I see it. <laughs> Justin Panthro. What? <laughs> Bantha. Oh, Bantha. Yeah. That's uh. This is Justin Bartha food voodoo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They uh. Every, it's like some kid in Scarsdale was really into punk, and so his parents decided to throw him a punk-themed bar mitzvah, where they took some catering hall and plastered it with punk zines and shit, and hired a people from the local performing arts high school to pretend that they were punkers from the punk times. And it's the whole thing is so like antiseptic what? and like look, it looks real like if for a movie that's supposed to be about like junkies performing music essentially in a shithole it looks really clean like you were saying yeah every time they go outside it's like they stepped onto a fucking sesame street set like if, if oscar the grouch had shown up it would have added needed grit and realism <laughs> to the movie well can't we're we're in a very like privileged position here that we're not usually oh, yeah we're upper middle class guys we're all employed white let's not forget that in america <laughs> okay i'm kind of employed but, indi- <laughs> but in addition you're a private entrepreneur <laughs> we're uh, in a privileged position in this movie in that we don't have to spend a bunch of time recapping the plot because this movie has no plot like i just want to skip through it and say like the plot of the movie is uh famous band after famous band walks into cbgb and hilly gives them uh, a chance however he's a bad manager so he's still like losing money on the bar or he forgets to pay his rent so his daughter takes over some of that stuff there's a long sequence where he's trying to manage the dead boys as well a yeah band. in the end he's like oh this will rocket me to success now i've got to start managing these bands and he starts managing the dead boys but that doesn't really do much for he him he takes a band that's made up of some of the like of all the bands that ended up recording albums that that played at cbgb is like one of the most screwed up when it came to actually doing things you know yeah and that's pretty much all that happens in the movie which means that we can unlike normal uh circle back and focus more on the small things rather than like going through a labyrinthine plot. We should also mention there's a lovable junkie named Idaho who does odd jobs around the place. <clears throat> would you say that he was CBGB's private Idaho? <laughs> <laughs> I would. He seems he's like the, it's he's like the like the lovable junkie mascot. It's like if they got Charlie Day's character from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia on stage doing that like Nightman Cometh play <laughs> to play a junkie. That's basically what you're getting. Nightman Cometh. <laughs> yeah. Ice Man. No, I think it's well. What's oh the, wait? It's the fucking bit from oh, that show. About the part. The, the song. Oh, sorry. The song. The play from. Oh, it's always I don't think I've seen that. I don't seen that. Episode. You're not talking about the Danny DeVito's in it. Ellie. Actual you play. You will love it. <laughs> I mean, I've seen the show. I haven't seen every episode. I thought you meant Eugene O'Neill's play about Nightman, the, I think, uh, what, Valiant Comics character? Uh, what, no, what I'm is thinking he of like? Shadow Man. Okay, I was going to say Shadow Man, Man, the jazz musician, Clifford superhero. Odette's play, the Iceman coming. <laughs> the long, long, uh, very that's long That's a Eugene play. O'Neill play, Dan. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Clifford Wait. Odette's wrote Waiting He's going to edit Lefty, this now, The Big dude. Knife. I'm looking Awake at and sing. You keep talking. Yeah, look up Eugene. O- yeah, look it up. Prove <laughs> me wrong, dude. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, Eugene O'Neill. Yeah. <laughs> just well, I, like I just learned something. Boring. Uh, well, one, neither of them are boring. Mm, it's pretty boring. Uh, I don't think. Anyway, look, we're talking about CBGB, a movie we can all agree is boring. 
So uh, even at this if you're point, say like, Eugene O'Neill play is boring. You should talk about Morning Becomes Electra, and even that has good scenes in it. But anywho, there's even bits where even when he's trying to manage the dead boys, his motivation really I'm sorry, isn't that I got clear. So, I got so hostile about that, Dan. No, I know that you're you're. Person, your self worth is really tied up in your uh, theater goer persona. So. I mean, not persona. It's something I care about. And Eugene O'Neill, someone my grandmother met a couple times, where oh, she was working man. for the theater guild. <laughs> Name right. dropping <laughs> takes an early, uh, early uh, appearance. I, on now this is my new, this is my new segment. People I didn't see in the theater, but family members of mine saw. Do you like to think they went out a few times? I would. I mean, I mean my grandmother. I assume hit on him mm-hmm. like that's or she was she was pretty. Frisky mm. at the time. Anyway, mm. at the time. Mm. Tell me more. <laughs> this is the. This is uh. This is my father's mother who, when uh, I introduced her to my then girlfriend, now wife, she was touring us around the uh, assisted living apartment she lived in, mm-hmm. and she took us. She said, "Here's the bedroom. Nothing happens in there." <laughs> it was like, Grandma, you are so you. You are definitely a Blanche. Mm-hmm. Yep. It all happens in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I like to do it standing up in the shower. Don't worry, we have those flowers on the ground so we don't slip. Two of the worst ways to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, when you're that old, you got to spice it up somehow. Um, so, yeah, what do we have to say about this so, movie? So, anyway, it's a, it's, I, here was the question that I was asking Stuart during the movie. So, let's take a successful movie about a music scene, 24-Hour Party People, yeah. Yeah. which is about the Madchester music scene, music I don't like. <laughs> In a time period I'm not interested in. And yeah, that movie is great. This is a movie about a time period and music which I've kind of lost And a my, city. And a city, which, like, I've... Some of those things I'm not as into as I once was, but, like, there was a period in my life when I was all about punk, especially that era of punk. But, I'm still yeah. hugely, like, obsessed with that time in New York's history, and yet this movie was so uninteresting to me. Like, I was fighting to be interested in a movie that's about things I'm interested well, that's in. A, like, the, the, like, there are musical acts depicted in this that I love. Uh, Talking Heads, first among them, but also Blondie, The Ramones. Uh, television you uh, Television like? I love. Um, uh, spin Iggy, Doctors. Iggy Pop is good. The uh, Spin Doctors were great in this movie. <laughs> they played themselves. The spin Doctors were the not The Ramones. Really. Uh, but it's, it's just... It's just so like this. It, it glances over the surface of everything, and when you see these ba- like these bands, you don't learn anything about the bands. Like you learn, you about, learn their names and kind of the costumes that they yeah, wore. Yeah, it's so focused on the club and the club owner, who is maybe the least interesting part of this. Whole and even story. then, it's focused on him, but like even he doesn't do that much. What about the breakneck pacing well, that, that th- tries to mimic the pacing of punk rock well, music? Well, that's the thing. Every now and then, they'll just suddenly, it'll turn into comic book scenes, and it'll switch to another scene, and you're like, what? Did I just see? This is Did I get to transported a- to Cool World? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this a live-action underground zine? And there'll be like is a- this comics with an X? There'll be like a not thought the, balloon or a talk club. balloon of someone saying something like, either ew, gross. really unwitty or something that just uh, reinforces what we just saw in the scene anyway. There's also the scenes of uh, of John Holmstrom and what's her name? Uh, from uh, American I Psycho? I don't know. Mary Heron. Mary Heron just walking around the streets of New York talking about what punk means in a way that no human being has ever done. 
Where it's like they were like scenes from the West Wing where there's exposition that Aaron Sorkin needs to get out. So he's like, why don't I just take this this paragraph that explains how like the checks and balances system works, split it up into dialogue by just giving characters one line each and have them walk through a hallway, and people will think it's dramatic. Well, this is like it's the sort of myth making that only makes sense in retrospect, but would never be true of the time. Like, mm-hmm. that's, like this movie does not have any sense of immediacy of like how a scene would actually be growing it's like it's all through this like haze of like this is important you know this yeah is- well it's also it's one of those movies where television performs to like two people and suddenly there's a review in a magazine about it and in a different city and the and his daughter's like this is you have no idea how big this is gonna be and then the next show they have the place is packed mm-hmm. yeah and, and every uh, band that plays the place and that, is packed. And that junkie guy is in the back making uh, making, making chili. chili like it's fucking Exeronius or something. <laughs> just, he's just, just just squeezing ketchup into a big pot. Mm. There's cold. a lot of dog shit jokes. A lot of dog shit jokes. We, a learn, lot of the or, jokes. we learn the origin of punk rock dudes wearing Doc Martens, I guess. or uh, Well, boots. He boots. wasn't wearing Doc Martens. I mean, I didn't check the tag. Did you? Uh, they didn't look like Doc Martens. Why do you have to always be right, Elliot? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just high off that Eugene O'Neill thing. <laughs> Why do you have to undercut me? We're going to talk about this on the walk home. <laughs> um, probably going to talk about BPRD on the walk home. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I will say that like it is absurd to watch all these uh, guys, you know, lip sync to these songs. But at the same time, the best part of the movie by far was like just being like <laughs> closing your eyes and imagining <laughs> yeah. you're just listening to the Yeah, just imagine you're just like, listening like, to an album. Oh, this is a good mixtape. Uh, here you go. You got some television, some talking heads. Here comes Patti Smith, some Blondie. Like, I mean, Great. it could be one of those movies that Great has a stuff. really good soundtrack album. Yeah. But it, is it not a good movie? Like Empire Records. <laughs> yeah, basically. Like when you said at the end of the movie, one of you guys said like, like they had assembled the team of Hilly's help of uh, Hilly's helpers to like get the club back off the ground again. And one of you said they were the Empire Records group now. And like this movie feels like it's the Empire Records version of the history of punk. Where like when I was twelve or fourteen or however watching Empire Records, and they were like. These kids are rebellious. Even at that age, I was like, eh, I don't think so. They work at this enormous store, and they don't do, – even as a kid, I was like, they're not doing any work. There's no, no wonder that this store is closing down. Yeah. Now, when, when you were 17, it was, was, a very was that a very good, good year. year? Okay. A very good year for uh, – what does he sing about, having sex with girls on golf courses or something? <laughs> I don't – I don't – is that – I think you might be confusing with uh, real Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe that was it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, oh God! Now, I when wish... I was thirty-one, that was a very good year. Mm-hmm. For uh, is that what is that year the one with limousines and women of independent means? I don't know, man. Check it. Check the phone. <laughs> uh, Did Eugene O'Neill think... write it? I know that uh, to jump songs. When I saw a fire, I thought, "Is that all there is? Is that all there is to a fire?" <laughs> I had the same feeling about circuses. Yeah. <laughs> also, life in general. <laughs> that all there is to the story of CBGB's <laughs> then over during the credits well here's the then it's like they've done this movie where you'd only be interested in it if you knew who these people were anyway they end with one of those like now we're gonna tell you who the people were with a picture of the actor playing them in a little like bio like it's fucking Animal House or something <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. but and uh, then they show it says on text when Talking Heads was inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame they thanked Hilly Crystal then the credits roll they show that moment from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony and it's way better than anything else in well, the they movie. They basically summarize all the salient points that 
of the movie. Like they basically do a, a better plot summary than we just did. Yeah. And that's all you need. Just watch the credits. You'll get the whole story. It's exciting. That's it. Uh, so I guess what I'm saying is great, good movie or best movie ever. Yeah, this cow butt guy butt. <laughs> I kind of, <laughs> I kind of wish we were watching a movie called Cow Butt Guy Butt. <laughs> Uh, I wish there was more to say about this movie, but there really is. I was hoping. So this is a different type of movie for us. I don't remember if we've ever done a movie based on fact. You know, Uh, but Immortals. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot Immortals. Oh yeah, and Three Hundred Rise of Empire. (laughs) (laughs) R.I.P.D. It's based on the true story of the rise of the R.I.P.D. Yeah. The rise of the R.I.P.D. Oh yeah, G.I. Joe, uh, Rise of Cobra, whatever. No, we didn't. We watched that one for fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but this, there's not a lot there. <laughs> the true story of Jonah Hex. Yeah, there's very little, like, there's not a lot of substance this movie. finished of thin. And any style it has is hideous. It's poorly made. Like, this is, like, I can this see what they're... This is a cheap-looking movie. They're trying to do, like, they've got a lot of great actors in it, but they're they, trying they to do... They date it with occasional newspapers and uh, television news Like, uh, someone bits. is literally reading a newspaper that says... Ford to City, drop dead. Like, okay, now I know the exact day this scene is. I love the bit where uh, Hilly's about to get a car, uh, a parking ticket from the cop, and the cop's like, "New York's running out of money. <laughs> They're, They're calling us- in their debts. <laughs> we got, we got to get more tickets. New York's bankrupt. It needs the cash." And uh, the fact they didn't, but they didn't go to the trouble. Did you of- hear there was a taking on Pelham One Two Three? <laughs> Boy, these Watergates. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> What do you got, a death wish? <laughs> Just thinking of old movies. I see, we're seeing a real beginning of a rise of evangelical Christianity as a force in American domestic politics. It's a real. And you gotta know that the Soviet Union's only got another 13 or 12 years left in it. There's a real malaise over the country. <laughs> it was a little later. Sure. Um, we so- gotta whip inflation now. Uh, that was that time. And also, but they at the same time, they uh, didn't bother to. Hide the fact that they're using modern subway trains in the few subway scenes. Hmm. That's yeah, the that was detail. really great. Uh, seeing, uh, yeah, seeing the trains that I could be riding on now. Like it's like I could go back in time to CBGB's days. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did you so, guys, either? You guys ever go there to CBGB's? No, I always kind of meant to because you know, like like we've said, like the music did mean something to me. Although, like going there would be. An empty gesture because by that time it was just like another club with like a shitty bathroom. Yeah, because I went there once to see the band of my sister's then boyfriend, and it was yeah. Without the history of the place, it was like oh, this place is pretty crappy. Mm-hmm. I could buy a twenty dollar t shirt, and it's <laughs> not like it's, <laughs> that's the true measure of any <laughs> punk bar. <laughs> it's not like I did not spend a fair amount of my like young life in New York in shitty performance spaces sure. as a comedy person so i didn't need to seek out like a lousy performance space for music that's a good point um but anyway let's move on to final judgment see someday someday and the listeners will not understand any of what i'm talking about but dan will we'll make a movie called juvie hall Mm -hmm. with alan rickman as eric marcizek our good friend and (laughs) manager of juvie hall the comedy who's Who's about to get married who's about to get married this weekend yeah in fact as you listen to this dan and i will be in montreal celebrating that wedding and also getting married ourselves. Dan, What? will you make me the happiest podcast co-host in the world? I mean, it's polygamy, but... 
Sure. It's polygamy too. No, wait a minute. That's the hold on. <laughs> that joke works when you say bigamy. Yeah, I'm I screwed sorry. that up. Hold I set on. that up poorly. <laughs> Let's re-rack. <laughs> hold on. It's bigamy. Uh, no, it's too late. We get too late to do the dumbest, oldest joke in the history of marriage jokes. Uh, but yeah, no, that was a. There were you know good people who came out of that uh, tiny basement theater, including yours and mine truly. Yeah. And Sarah Schaefer of, uh, of MTV's. Uh, Nikki and Sarah Live and other things, and uh, who else? Lots of people. Anyway, we don't need to reminisce about our old. Our old. We'll do this when we're older. We'll reminisce about our. Uh, could you oh, I want to do it now. Comedy basement days. When you make that movie, could you put some fat guy in the audience and have it be me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I just He'll want just one little name card. Fat Stewart <laughs> in overalls. Yeah, yeah I'd be wearing Going, overalls. I love this here comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I've just arrived from Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> Indiana. <laughs> Uh, so Seems wait. like, a, and you'll do it the same way that uh, Cheetah Yuck. Chrome, that Cheetah Chrome had a cameo on this as a taxi driver who looks at the camera and goes, "I hate that punk shit." This, you'll you'll look at the camera and you go, "This is some kind of real flop house." <laughs> I'll never do a podcast, whatever wait, that I would is. Still I don't be know. doing. It hasn't been invented yet. Yuck. Wait a minute, the actor or I would get the cameo that you, you guys would promised get the me. Cameo, but you're in a. So fat why suit. would I be doing a weird impression of myself? Because. <laughs> You're, because we don't want people to recognize you, except for the people really in the know. Okay, they have to. Maybe be cool. you'll do a cameo as Clive Owen. How about that? <laughs> oh, hello, good. hello. I thought you were about to say Clive Barker, and I can't do that. <laughs> I was just Legally. in Croupier. Hello, is it? Is this some sort of comedy place? Um, yeah, what, so. what would you do as a Clive Barker impression? Uh, I would probably open up my books of blood and say. Do you know Fia? <laughs> Hi, it's me, Todd McFarlane. <laughs> Why is Clive Barkin doing a Todd McFarlane impression? Because <laughs> it's a really extended burn on Todd McFarlane. Well, if you were a hellspawn. <laughs> so, this is the point of the podcast where I ask you a question. It's almost like we didn't like this movie. And that's a question uh, of final judgment. Whether this is a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of like... I, for part of it, was almost leaning towards good-bad because it is really miscalculated, this film. But by the end of it, it just got so dull. There was a certain point where I think where it was like like a Batan Death March movie, yeah. just no, kind I gotta of getting bad, through bad. it. When he goes back out to New Jersey and he goes to the chicken farm and then he has a quilt around him for a little while. <laughs> just playing acoustic guitar. But it's really great after that because it's edited in such a way that like... He's talking on the phone, and then all of a sudden, he's already in the room. Like, as soon as she hangs up the phone, he teleported there, and then, ah, it's crazy. You said there's a scene where, at the, that scene, where he walks to his office, and then it cuts to him sitting, he walks to the front door of his office, it cuts to inside his office, him at the desk, and cu- cut on action, his daughter walking in, and it looks like he transformed into his daughter as he passed through the door. Like, for one moment, they hired, uh, I forget who edited Images, the Robert Altman movie, they brought him in to do one cut in the entire movie and just make it super complicated. And it's and that's supposed to represent that for a moment he can see things through her eyes. Roles are reversed <laughs> yeah. and he understands I have to I have to get my shit together. I have to get everybody together and they have to give me a bunch of money. Yeah, I well think. you they also we also missed the scene where they he and his daughter peed in the same fountain. So they, <laughs> oh, no kidding. They switcheroo their brainios. Anyway, I would say bad, bad movie. It was super boring. All right, thanks guys. Thanks for that uh, judgment. Dan didn't ask me, but I think it was bad, too. <laughs> Wait, didn't I? I, I mean, it's care. kind of an open question to both of us. 
I feel like it was incumbent upon you to volunteer your feelings. I agree. You gotta be your own advocate. This is like a hospital or or you know the legal system. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Stewart, Stewarts uh, have a harder time of it in the world. <laughs> sure, <laughs> they have to support themselves. Um, so now it's time for letters from listeners. Uh, a popular segment on our podcast, <laughs> I'm led to believe. <laughs> and this first letter. You're really hyping the letter segment. This first letter goes exactly like this. It is. You are quoting. The six reasons why Elliot Kalen is history's greatest monster. Uh, hold on a second. <laughs> Dear Floppers. Written by Dan McCoy. Based on a recommendation by History's fellow- <laughs> greatest monster? Based on- Like greater than Dracula? Because he's pretty great. History. Based on a recommendation what about by- that Imhotep guy? Mm-hmm. He's he, all right. But he can like summon a, a sea of beetles to eat people. Yeah, out of his mouth. Come on. He's just throwing up beetles on you. What can uh, Dracula do against that? You can't drink uh, their blood. They're beetles. Beetles don't have blood. Turn into a mist. The beetles get all shivery and cold. Okay, that's actually a good point. Maybe the moisture the from beetles his, are like, his dewy mist. I need somebody. <laughs> Help, not just anybody. Yeah. I don't get it. Is that a song? Help, I need someone. There's a vampire. <laughs> there was, it, I, I wouldn't have been, the CBGB is one of those movies, I wouldn't be surprised if partway through the Beatles just walked in, even though they were totally anachronistic to that time place. Like, no, it's us, four lads from Liverpool. Just from here from Liverpool, we decided to play a little skiffle in your little club. Hey, it's me, GGL, and I'm going to shit my own face. <laughs> <laughs> and it's me, G.E. Smith, with the Saturday Night Live band. I'm also going to shit in my own face for some reason. Lauren won't let me do it on the show. Blah, blah, it's me, Ludwig Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, it's me, Ozzy Osbourne. I'm here to bite the head off of a bat. Right? That's yeah, what he yeah. did? A chicken? I don't know. Which one? He bit heads off a lot of things. Barbie uh, dolls, a president. <laughs> That's how he's assassinated James Garfield. Yeah. It's me, William Howard Taft. Hilly, would you be able to get me unstuck from this bathing tub? <laughs> it's... Yeah, <laughs> we referenced Bill and Ted before, but it's basically just Bill and Ted, where everyone comes in and does their thing. <laughs> and announces themselves. <laughs> or any Saturday Night Live sketch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. too real. <laughs> so, dear floppers. Tis I, Miguel de Cervantes y Saavedra. <laughs> I was wondering if I might find... I don't know if he has an English accent, he's Spanish. Find if I might sit at your table... Is Sean Connery in Highlander? <laughs> yeah, oh, sorry, Dan gave me a look. Uh, no, I'm not I, singing. I just want to get to the six reasons why Ellie Kalen is history. I don't, that's why I'm stalling. Carl stalling. Yeah, the you music get of to the, the Looney Tunes cartoon. That's a Raymond Scott song. Nobody stole it. Carl Stalling used it a lot. It was in the Warner Music Library. Yeah, it's called Powerhouse, I know. There's a, I remember reading an essay that talked about how uh, Chuck Jones would get mad that Carl Stalling would go to the same songs over and over again. Like if there was a character he's wearing like, red. Like, You're stalling, Carl. Yeah. If there's a character wearing red, he'd just pick a song with red in the title. Really? If there's a character wearing blue, he'd just pick a song with blue in the title. Ah, boy. It works really well, though. So, based on a recommendation by fellow podcaster. Raymond Scott walks in. I'm getting into electronic music. <laughs> I'm not playing crazy jazz anymore. Continue. Uh, uh, based on a recommendation by fellow podcaster and quintessential Mac nerd, John Syracuse, I have listened through the entire Flophouse archive over the past guy, John few months. 172 episodes later, uh, so you can date this 
email. I've come to one. Why would you date an email? And Find a human. Go on a date with a human. I've come to weirdo. At least get one of those Japanese body pillows that has a character written drawn on one it. One inevitable be named email. That sounds appropriate mm-hmm. for a robot body pillow. <laughs> That's true, I guess. Maybe, maybe the person's named Emil, in, case, in which case I apologize. Date someone named Emil, unless it's Emil Blonsky, <laughs> the Hulk villain, the Abomination. You should date Emil Hirsch. He was I'll great ask in Speed Racer. <laughs> Emil. Emil? That's from uh, North by Northwest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've come to one inevitable conclusion. Elliot Kalin is history's greatest monster. Here I, are the six reasons I why. take issue with that. Number one, that song he just sang... Did you hear that shit? He did not sing a song. Oh, inaccurate letter. Outboxed you. Five reasons I'm history's greatest monster. Thank you very much. Shipping away. Number two. Despite a tempestuous teenage romance that continues to this day, not once has he brought Anne Hathaway on as a guest. That's a good point. Number three. Terrible point. And then the celebrities you do manage to get on, he disappears for. Why he thinks it's okay to blow off cinema legend Sylvester Sloan is beyond me. Number four. Yeah, I, I, I was wondering too why Elliot doesn't stick around when I'm here. I just passed him in the stairway on the way up. Whoa, it's Bob. me, Sylvester Stallone. I thought I might play with my punk band in your club here. We call ourselves the Stallones. This is Joey Stallone, Johnny Stallone. I'm Dee Dee Stallone. I'm really Sylvester Stallone. Anyway, and that's uh, Tommy Stallone. We'll replay some of them over hey, time. Hey, Sly, it's me, Frank Stallone. I why mean, can't I be in the band? Yeah, you wouldn't get your hair cut in the required bowl cut. Hey, anyway, uh, now it's my song, I Don't Want to Win This Time. One, two, three, four. <laughs> I heard you sing in the film Rhinestone. I don't think you're I don't think you're right for us. Rhine Stallone, yeah, that was the movie, yeah. In which I play the Rhine River. <laughs> I tell you, it was one of the harder acting parts for me, because uh, it's hard for a person to play a river. <laughs> I'm not made of water. I mean, the human body is 80% water or something like that. I don't know. But I I'm not a scientist, except I was a scientist in uh, the Spy Kids 3D movie. But that's besides the point, neither here nor there. And I was a product of cloning science in Judge Dredd, but again, neither here nor there. The point is, it's hard to play a river unless you're playing Rivers Cuomo, as I am in my new movie, Weezer, the action movie. Uh, okay, well. So- I'm back, guys. <laughs> Yeah, I passed Sylvester Stallone on the stairway. <laughs> you Did are talking about Ryan Stallone, the movie where he plays the 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 <laughs> Rhine Gold. I don't I don't know. Yeah, yeah, something like that. He plays rolled gold pretzels. <laughs> number four. <laughs> it's about the making of those Jason Alexander rolled gold pretzels commercials. Uh, reason number four, Kalen, Khan, Khan. Clearly, his name is a shoddy attempt to disguise his relationship to previous incumbent. Genghis Khan? I don't, I don't know. I think you don't understand what that word means. Uh, the joke's on you. I'm not, I'm not disguising my relationship to Genghis Khan. My family was disguising its Jewishness by changing the name from Kaplan. Joke's on you. Again, four reasons. Reason uh, that one oh, debunked. Wow, chipping away. Although, there is a possibility that we have some Mongol blood. So, okay, could be related to Genghis Khan. Much like You're the villain in the shadow. Blood. You're a pretty good falconer. Yeah, and I did lead my golden horde all the way up almost to Venice in my conquering of Eastern Europe. Number five, his obvious contempt for or his, no Vienna. His obvious contempt for his thoroughly charming and impressively knowledgeable brother David Kalin. I love that guy. Does he have opinions about movies? So did David write this letter? Number six. Finally, despite a tempestuous teenage romance that continues to this day, Wait. not once has he brought Anne Hathaway on as a that guest. That can't be two reasons. I know I said that already, but it really is the worst. All I can say is kudos to Dan for channeling Elliot's evil, evil genius into a bad movie podcast. 
Instead of Pretty his natural home, the subjugation of humanity. Yours, Neil, last name withheld. It has been said, if you want to, if you want to imagine Elliot Kalin, just think of a human face being stomped on a boot by, by a boot for all eternity. Yeah. That boot, a Doc Martin, because I'm totally punk. So when Anne Hathaway comes on, is can we um, talk about yeah. Catwoman, or do we have to stick with like Brokeback Mountain and stuff? I think we'll probably have to talk about... Can we talk about Havoc? Princess yeah, Diaries. Havoc's the... Yeah, that's, that's what I want to talk about. Because she has nudity in it. Sure. Not I mean, sex and other love and other drugs? She's yeah, that's that another lot. good one. And uh, Brokeback Mountain. Do you only want to talk about movies she was nude in? <laughs> she's an attractive lady. Uh, okay, I mean, that's... I'm not saying she's not. I don't know what your problem is. I'd say we could talk about other movies with her. Yeah, sure. Uh, the Was friend- she in Red Eye? No, Did she stab that guy in his red that's eye? That's Rachel McAdams. <laughs> okay. She's also a delight. Can I talk to her about the red actress. eye, though? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, is Killian Murphy a monster? Because the trailer made it seem like he was a monster. He's like a cyborg. He's some kind of monster. <laughs> but in the movie, he's just like a dude. <laughs> What's going on? His name looks like it should be pronounced Cillian. Isn't that <laughs> it's me, weird? It's Seabiscuit. I don't understand your movie. You're even doing a bad impression go. of your impression of Seabiscuit. This is the worst impressions we've ever done. By far my worst Stallone earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't here for it, but... Uh, yeah, what are you talking Yeah, you did that off, off camera, or Mike, off Mike. Oh, yeah, yeah, Mike wasn't here. Just rewind this and delete it. So, this next uh, letter... It was like this. I just wanted to thank you guys for your episode on the Oogie Loves. If you had never featured it on your podcast, I would have never known it existed. <laughs> Did it say at the top, read sarcastic? Well, there's certain, letter, certain words are capitalized. So, oh. um, so, so it's like an old comic book, yeah. I see. So I would never have caught my eye on Netflix as something to entertain my two-year-old daughter while I was cooking dinner. Thanks to that one faithful viewing, she requested it daily for a week. I often find her dancing and repeating lyrics from the songs, and although she doesn't quite know how to pronounce her own name yet, she can clearly articulate, Goofy Toofy, pull up your pants. Thank you again for your part in bringing this fun into our lives. Daddy, family name withheld. Now, I don't know how anyone could have taken our coverage of the Oogie Loves as an endorsement of it <laughs> yeah. for child viewing. Rather than a descent into madness, which it was. <laughs> yeah. I believe I screamed the name of the movie out in pain and anguish at mm-hmm. the end. Yeah. That's his misreading of history. Yeah. That, that guy is history's greatest monster. Look at yourself. Look within yourself. Look without yourself. Yep. Look Maybe around deep yourself. down inside, there's a kid that wants to watch Oogie Loves, and you should tell that no, kid that to stop. No, that was not... Okay. Look, there's a child inside you that's an Oogie that just wants to be loved. You have to shoot that child. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but who could kill a child? <laughs> Only Zeus, god of the Greeks. Killed a lot of children, yeah. Uh, so I guess it's been a le- lesson in Greek mythology for you, mm-hmm. unfortunate Oogie Loves yeah. parent. Yeah, the Greek god Oogie Lovius. He <laughs> <laughs> was the Greek god of irritating songs and pants falling mm-hmm. and down and juice boxes. <laughs> no, that was that was the Greek. That was the Roman god Caprison. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Roman god of juice boxes and bags. If you could puncture it with a straw and then suck juice out of he it, he will come to you in a golden man. shower. <laughs> Um, so here's another letter. It goes like this. Dear Great Mr. segue. Dear, <laughs> Masterful. Dear Mr. Kalen. Seamless. Dear Mr. Kalen. Did I just order dinner on you? Because that was seamless. Dear Mr. Kalen. Remember that time three or four years ago when you said Delaware wasn't a very good state? 
Fuck you. I clearly wow. don't remember. That is all. Sincerely, the state of last name withheld. <laughs> wow. Okay, that was that was uh, that has been a rivalry that's been building for a long time. Yeah. That's Delaware's it. given us a lot of great things, like. Uh, oof. Yeah, boy. Uh, that uh, joke in Wayne's World about how boring Delaware is. There you go. Yeah, thanks, Delaware. They have a lack of uh, sales tax there. Is Delaware so from make, Delaware? You can go make big purchases. I, uh, I don't know. What about Della Duck? <laughs> What? What about delicatessen? So, that... uh, so what is Della Duck? Della Duck is um, is the... that like Dial a Duck? No, is that Del... some kind of artificial plastic? Della Duck was the mother of Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Well, really? I thought they she... were... wait, but I thought hold on a second. I thought that Donald made them in a lab. No, it's. Uncle Donald. Gyro yeah, Gearloo should have made him. He's so the Della scientist. Is, Wait a minute. I Della figured it out. is Donald's sister. Scrooge, in a bid for immortality, has yep. Gyro ga- make him three clones of himself. as yeah. his- Three clones in a fountain. <laughs> which one will the fountain pick? <laughs> and he eventually plans when they to see which one will survive and be the strongest, and he'll place his brain in that duck's body. Sure. Mm-hmm. Is this done? What this nonsense? Is it done? No, uh, uh, it's nonsense. <laughs> and yes, it's done. Okay. So, last letter of the evening. Della Duck. A follow-up to your dear, firm, succulent peaches. Dan, how was Scrooge related to the ducks? Well, that was Donald's uncle. So what? So what? How There's a lot of uncle <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the duck family. <laughs> There's not a lot of... Parents. Yeah. Parent-to-child relationships are strained, but uncle relationships are very close. Dan, in duck culture, are children given to their uncles to be raised? I don't know. I mean, there's also... I mean, Grandma Duck seems to be a, a, a fond figure. Magic of uh, Dispel? No. Magic of Dispel is not related no, to the ducks. No, she and Scrooge were fucking, right? No. <laughs> now, the last I mean, name Glomgold... Fucking, yes. Is the last name Glomgold a uh, reference to his, like, old-timey medieval career... Or is he yeah, just lucky that he's Michael super wealthy? Glom onto gold. I yeah. think it's a pretty obvious name. Now, Dan, is it racist that all the criminals were presented as dogs? I mean, also all all humanoid characters in those comics were also presented as dogs. So I think uh, it, I think it just says that one segment of society is is a criminal segment, as is so with racist. humans. Was was uh, that Hydro Dog? Was he uh, was was he also a criminal? That was a, that I was a don't dark know what you're talking about. It's the same shit, right? Uh, well, Launchpad McQuack was in both, so yeah. But that was a Darkwing Duck villain. I mean, Goofy is a is also a dog like character. Now, Launchpad McQuack well, has a really big is, chin. Can 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 ducks have chins? Is Jay Leno Launchpad McQuack? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and he's Max Knight. <laughs> yeah, well, so, they're all so the same. Versatile. You've never seen them in the same place at the same time. That's very you ever true. Why? I wonder if That's that was the why. rule that anytime you never saw two people in the same and place at the same Zadar time, Robert is also must, the same guy. Oh, rest in peace. That they they uh, they must be the same person. So it's like, hmm, I've never seen Bill Clinton and uh, and and CeeLo in the same room at the same time. They must be the same person. Yeah. I've never seen Stuart and Daryl Hannah in the same room at the same time. They must. You be haven't. The same. We hang out all the time. Oh, really? Yeah, we're really into uh, into karate kickboxing. <laughs> Really I didn't know that. <laughs> just watching it. The, the original, the remake, we don't care. We just yeah. watch it together. Well, it's just a great story. The next Karate it's timeless. Kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I thought you said Daryl Hammond. Yeah, I, I, I am Daryl Hannah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you were dancing at the Blue Iguana? Yeah, that was me. But uh, let's get back to uh, Hey, man. Nice, I hang out with Daryl Hammond. Nice button splash. Uh, thanks? Yeah. 
So, thanks for making splash. it creepy. Button splash. <laughs> that's the movie about Look, a button that falls into some water. I'm a. I, we all know that I'm a butt cyclopedia. And yet, you didn't want to watch the movie Cowboy Cow Butt Guy Butt <laughs> when it was available to us. So, so your website is called Butt Cyclopedia. Yeah. So this, there's a letter, huh? This last letter. That was a lot of nonsense. I have more DuckTales questions, by the way. <laughs> oh, I can answer them, but uh, we should probably get to the letter. This letter goes, a follow-up. Dan, what's a duck blur? <laughs> <laughs> it's just when ducks are moving fast. Okay. It seems self-evident to me. Uh, a follow-up. To dear, firm, succulent peaches, I am the Tracy last name withheld who was recently proposed to on your show. Tracy Lords? I was actually at work... <laughs> Listening to the podcast this world. on my lunch break, the letter came on, and at first I just thought it was witty. But when I heard Dan pronounce my name in that adorable lilt of his, I sat up straight. Smash cut to my only half-hearing the rest of the letter between fits of crying laughter and my own impression of Stuart's, wait, what? Come on, over and over. The letter was only the start of the proposal. There was a kitten bearing my ring. That's adorable. A dress... And a serenade for my husband-to-be backed by a mariachi band. It was wow. the greatest night of my life. You proposed to in a sitcom? Yeah, this guy is really like You're setting making us a look bar. Bad. <laughs> I literally just took my wife to a nice place and asked her. I am thrilled that the Flophouse podcast was a key part of it. Thank you all so much, Dan, for your beautiful execution of the letter. Elliot, the Emmy Award-winning writing for saying how good the letter was. This was a sort of an absolute thrill for Cohen. I mean, we're both Emmy Award winners at this point. I mean, you've I have got more. I three times as many as you. Yeah. But, and Stuart, for that adorable and excited squeal in the background, if you find yourselves in Australia, you're all invited to the wedding. XXX, a kiss for each of you. Tracy. P.S. We watched Mordecai since it's part of our canon now. Good Lord. <laughs> I wanted to watch Contagion or Country Strong to get the taste out of my mouth afterwards. At least Gwyneth Paltrow's characters b- bite it in those movies. P.P.S. I just ordered a couple of Flophouse t-shirts. Not wedding attire per se, but hunting moon outfits defin- definitely. Well, I mean, so I think that, that's where the action happens. So <sighs> she's suggesting Dan is we do a. Uh, of you just wearing the shirt and nothing else. We should do a. Uh, we should do a. Uh, we should do an Australia live yeah. show, huh? Yeah, yeah. Let's do the, that. The flop house down under. I mean, yep. uh, look. If Australia, we can meet that kangaroo Jack. <laughs> Finally, <Okay. laughs> we can make meet that Quigley. I just don't want to get down there. I don't want to get eaten and, by a crocodile Dundee. <laughs> and Alan Rickman. Mm-hmm. One of those Yahoo serious. Is. Alan Rickman. He's in Quigley Down Under, right? Oh. No, you meant he was that he's Australian, which is not, which he's not. Yeah, we can meet the young version of Einstein. Yep. <laughs> of course, when no. he got older, he moved to Austria. <laughs> Austria, Germany. I don't know. I don't know anything about Einstein. E equals MPC squared. Am I right, people? <laughs> <laughs> this guy knows. That what was I'm Einstein's about. stand-up career. <laughs> e equals. I know if you can do crowd work on the mass, podcast. Mass times the square of the speed of light. Light. Am I right, people? I'm right. It'll be proved in a the couple la- years. <laughs> the ladies in the audience know what I'm talking about. Hey, look. If I'm traveling on the front of a light beam, what am I gonna see? I mean, who, what is this? Uh, yeah, speaking of Yahoo series. Did you ever notice Tracy, how... Tracy, please explain Yahoo series to us. Did you ever notice how if you're on a train platform and someone else is on a train, your experience of light is different? What's that all about? Mm-hmm. I'm Albert Einstein, everybody. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> well, how he did that pre-encore, I'd figure that'd be his best material. <laughs> well, he's just starting out. He hasn't become a star yet. Yeah. Thank you very much for writing in. We're so happy to hear that... Uh, you said yes, and that we could be a part of this magic moment. To the moment. dress. You know, or I'm should not... I say, this magic moment. 
There's that singing you were complaining about. Is close to mine. Will last for Flop House. Sweeter than flops. We're so close to the end, but you've still sent Stuart (laughs) out for another beer. That's what happens. Stuart, I'm done singing. Wait, what? But we're very excited, and maybe, you know what? Maybe we will try to make it down to Australia for this wedding. We won't make it. I mean, who knows? I mean, I'd love to do a show in Australia if if we could somehow cover the cost of even getting there. Look, if we got a wedding to go to, I mean, and we get a date, you know, if we get a date that we can target... You're married, dude. You I'm don't need a date. a date. Yeah, your date's going to date, be your wife. Time. If we have a time that we can shoot for. Of course, time. Time and space are bent by gravity. Of course, it makes so much sense. That's my new closer. <laughs> That's Albert Einstein. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Um, so now. Hold on a second. What's Hold that, your favorite B-52s album? What if, yeah. what if God... That was the first tape I bought, actually. Good stuff. <laughs> what if God didn't play dice with the universe? I think I'm onto something. What, that, what was your first tape that you bought? Good stuff by the B-52s. Okay. Mine was Pills, Thrills, and Belly Aches by the Happy Meow Days. Mine might have been Elastica's first album. That's the best choice of all three of us, I can say. Yeah, but I, I felt lo- really ashamed of album. But I, I feel ashamed of how ashamed I was at the time of liking a band that was almost all girls and had and the name was in pink on the front. It wasn't in pink. Maybe it was on the tape. I mean just the the name Elastica was in pink on the front of the tape cover. But I, the, if I'm remembering anyway. The C D I remember it was white. But uh, that's a great album. That's us remembering tapes and CDs. I don't care if they ripped off a bunch of stuff from Wire. It's a great album. Everyone go out and listen to the first Alaska Alaska album. (laughs) And nothing else by then. And this first CD I ever bought was Savvy Showstoppers by Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet because it had the kids on the hall theme on it. Another surprisingly hip choice. (laughs) Look, I just know what I like. Yeah. Stuart, do you know what you like? I have no idea. (laughs) Can you show me? I want to know what love is. Rock of Ages. Anyway, so I what want do we do now? I want to show me. No, it's the other way around. <laughs> Stu wants you to show yep. Stu. <laughs> like a caveman? <laughs> Stu wants you to show Stu. <laughs> Stu wants to feel what love is. Well, cavemen didn't vent. Rock music. <laughs> Dan, what do we do next on this stupid podcast for jerks and idiots? <laughs> and we're the biggest jerks and idiots of all. Uh, this oh, is the part God. of the podcast where we recommend movies that we like. Um, why don't one of you go? Because I don't think I've seen a movie in a long time. <laughs> What's a movie? He hasn't been on a plane. <laughs> I saw uh, a kinescope I really liked. <laughs> So I'm going to, since we we talked a little bit about people striving for fame, Mm -hmm. I'm going to recommend a little movie that's available on Netflix called (laughs) Starry Eyes. Starry Eyes is a horror movie for all you horror hounds and gore fiends in the audience. I know there's a few of you. Um, It's a, it's pretty straightforward. It's a young uh, aspiring actress who is played a little bit extra crazy, and she is uh, she gets offered a role, but it comes with uh, some uh, some some downsides because it's being offered by basically the devil. Um, and it, she, uh, I'm not gonna, I won't spoil too much, but it's uh, it's there's some really great stuff. Uh, the 
some of the friendships and relationships between the like this circle of aspiring actors and filmmakers uh, starts off as being a little bit cloying and then slowly becomes a little bit more, it seems a little deeper and is uh, is played pretty well. And then when things actually start getting terrible, I feel like all the actors' reactions are much more interesting than I would expect in a movie. And, uh, and it gets super gory and awesome. So check it out. Uh, hmm. Here's what I've come up with <laughs> on the fly. <laughs> Which is, I recommend... Uh, Four-star recommendation from Dan McCoy. No, no, I no. this is a movie that I genuinely love. Although Avatar, I not, you guys see it yet? I have not, <laughs> this is a movie I love, Still I haven't, haven't seen, seen it in a it. while. I have the Blu-ray, I have not had a chance to to watch it since I got it. However, I, it's a movie that I love. And it's called Screwballs. <laughs> it's called it's Blu-ray? <laughs> it's called Stagecoach. Oh, that is a great movie. By John Ford. Uh, it's up there in the in the top tier of my favorite John Ford John movies. John Ford and Nunnally Johnson. Along with things like The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance and My Darling Clementine and She Wore a Yellow Ribbon. Like, it is, it's a great movie and it occurred to me to recommend just because I know that uh, George Miller, uh, director of much beloved Mad Max Fury Road. Babe, pig in the city. Has cited it as an influence in his uh, chase films. Hmm. Uh, so if you have not seen Stagecoach, it is perhaps the Ur John Wayne uh, Western. Oh, very much so. I mean, he had made Westerns before then, but this is the one that made him the yeah. like the Western star. If you want to see a chase with the Stagecoach, the movie you want to see is Stagecoach. It's a, great, it's a movie that holds up really well just as a fun movie to watch and a great movie. Although the one thing that doesn't hold up well is how many Native Americans they shoot to death at the end. But, uh, hey, they're under attack, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if you, you just got to... It's one of these things where you have to just go with the movie and accept, okay, the Native Americans are the bad guys in this thing. Well, but even they're, they're like... It's like Assault a, on Precinct 13, where you have to assume those L.A. gang members are basically zombies. Well, the, the, right. and, the, and the Native Americans here are treated, if anything, just like this natural force that exists. And, it, like, it's they're not, like... They're not vilified the way they would be in other movies. They're still the bad guys, I guess. But uh, that's a really great movie. So, yeah, I didn't realize that Stagecoach had such an influence on George Miller because the story about Orson Welles was that when he was preparing to make Susan Cain, he watched Stagecoach over and over again to kind of learn how a movie is put together. I mean, if you just want a movie that is hmm. totally artful but also fun, that's, that's, that's near the top. Uh, Elliot, what were we going to... I'm going to recommend a movie I saw recently that... So CBGB didn't really capture what I think of as punk. Here's a movie that I think... It's called Shrek. (laughs) (laughs) It's called Ice Age, Age of the Dinosaurs. uh, Or whatever that thing was called. So there's a movie I saw recently, a Japanese movie, that I felt captured the kind of nihilism and... uh, just like unthinking aggression of punk a lot better... Which is weird since it predates punk by about 15 years. (laughs) It's a movie called The Warped Ones, uh, directed by Koryoshi Kurahara. And it's one of these movies that's like when Japan would take a a foreign, like an American film genre and do their version of it, and it would come out much more extreme and intense. So it's their version of like a juvenile delinquents with no no, uh, direction on the loose movie. These two guys come out of jail who are borderline sociopaths. Uh, but they're young people who are looking for something in their life. One of them joins 
a gang and starts a relationship with a prostitute. The other one is just aimless, and the only thing that has any meaning for him is jazz music. And he's obsessed with jazz, and otherwise he's just kind of like ruining other people's lives and attacking people. He performs a pretty horrifying crime on a, on a woman, and she haunts him to try to get him to fix things in this kind of twisted sense of justice. It's a strange and unsettling movie in a lot of ways, and it's shot really cool. There's a lot of this very crisp black-and-white handheld camera work and things like that. Uh, but it's there's just this sense of like youth clawing at itself because it can't see a real way to the things it wants in life and doesn't even know what it wants out of life, and driven by the energy that they feel in this music that the mainstream of people around them see as degenerate in some way. And here it happens to be jazz. And there's a lot of scenes where, or a couple of scenes where, kind of like really smooth, light jazz is playing in places, and the main character's like, that's not jazz! That's not jazz! And gets really mad about it. So I felt, if anything, this movie Were they sex scenes? uh, No. that's when you play like jazz. That's when it's appropriate to have just a lot of smooth sax for the sex. That's why it's called the saxophone. (laughs) Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's an instrument that was invented by, I think, Dr. Goldfoot, inventor of the bikini machine. And uh, <laughs> Dr. Goldfoot and his bikini machine. And the girl Dr. bomb. Dr. Goldfoot and his bikini machine. There was a, there was a uh, I think, uh, recently, this is not really the movies at all, Alan Moore won me back with his uh, third uh, Captain Nemo book. The one where they go to South America to find the Nazis for cloning Hitler. And when, it's, when one of the Nazi scientists in it is Dr. Goldfoot, the Vincent Price character. <laughs> Have you seen this one, Stuart? I don't think I've found this one. Oh, yeah. it's good. I'll, it's a good one. Uh, and uh, But anyway, The Warped Ones. More punk than CBGB. Wow. Pre-existing punk. So, man, we got through it. Three great tastes. Tons of impressions. They go great together. Great impressions. We're kind of like a group of rich littles. Mm-hmm. Yep. Can I be Michael Winslow? Ear, ear, I'm a rocking chair. Yeah. <laughs> and wish, I'm a cop. I wish Michael Winslow. <laughs> Wait, hold on. So, hold on. He's a rocking chair who's also a cop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a rocking cop. <laughs> that was what, what cop rock was about. I when his cops are rocking, don't come a knocking. Crime shouldn't come a knocking. You sounded kind of like a rocking chair and kind of like... Caw, caw, caw. Kind of like I'm a, a cop and a bird. It's me, I wish, Michael Winslow. I wish Michael Winslow had, one, announced himself by name, not his name as character, but also had said what his sounds were at the end of it. <laughs> um, I don't even know how Vroom, to do this anymore. I'm a race car. I'll be the fast, the fast talking guy from the Micro Machines commercials. <laughs> I mean, I, that's... No, it's, not a, it's not an invitation. It's not, yeah, no, I've forgotten how this worked. Why don't you sign off? For the Flophouse, sleep tight, eat right. Don't let the bug bite. Wait. Don't let the Ed Begley Jr.'s bite. I've been Elliot Kalen. I've been Dan McCoy. And coming up third, it's Stuart. Stuart Wellington. <laughs> Good night, Done. everyone. God bless. Sucking on one of them cold brews. (laughs) (laughs) Sucking on chili dogs. Mm. So, guys, yeah. Mm. So, Dan, what is he drinking? Uh, One of them Modellos. (laughs) (laughs) Nelson Modello. It was Mo's Dello. Mo's Allo. How was Doug Love's movies? Was there a setup like this? Uh, Doug Love was on the stage at Irving Plaza. 
Oh, wow. Uh, otherwise, the setup was not so different. It was a live show at Irving Plaza last night. It was a lot of fun. Yep. And How did you do was that? Irving there? Kathy's boyfriend? Uh, Washington <laughs> Irving, who Irving Place is named after, was not there. Okay. He's been dead for about 200 years. What? Sorry, I didn't want you to find out this way. 